there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. No pills gonna kill my head. I got a bad case of loving you. The doctor is in. It's Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show. What does that mean? It's time for Dr. Rashid Batar. We call it Advanced Medicine Monday and uh, the Medical Rewind. Some people may be still confused about the Medical Rewind. We tried to relate that a little better last week. But the idea is if we see people that have been ill and have been treated by modern medicine in all of its uh, many forms and have not gotten well or have gotten maybe even sicker, if we can look at these people, take them, help them out, we rewind them back to the beginning before they got maybe not only sick but treated uh, we've done a complete rewind and a, co- a complete rebuild, and that's the idea here. And uh, we're doing that with many ideas every week on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Highlights of the week for me is when Dr. Batar and I can chat on these and many other subjects. And I have links as well. If you notice at the Listen page on Natural News, there are links. To, there's a picture of Dr. Batar and I next to each other, and you'll see you can learn more there as well. Dr. Batar, always great to have you on board on Advanced Medicine Monday. Always great to be here, Robert. You know, some of the topics we cover together aren't the happiest of topics, but uh, even though they'll get me in the gut emotionally, I think the point is what we want to do is take those emotions and hopefully convert them into a positive action or activity. Uh, on, on yesterday's, uh, my Sunday show on GCN, I covered this story of a Massachusetts mom who admitted to withholding cancer medicines from her autistic child, and yet they, it's a bigger story than that, and we need to go into it because they've charged her with attempted murder and and, you know this builds on last week when we talked about the mom who was trying to protect her daughter desperately from psychiatric drugging with risperidol after her daughter was harmed by multiple vaccines and you know i scratch my head and say man the world has gone even more insane this week with this attack on this mom you know it's absurd to me that a parent who's lost a child to cancer in the first place and is now tormented after the child's already gone, she's already suffered an incredible loss, and now they're further tormenting this woman by charging her with the death of the child, when in fact we know that the statistics clearly point out that the failure of the conventional method of treating cancer and addressing cancer, it's already lower than anything else could be, and why would you now take the if it wasn't, you know, this isn't about efficacy or not. This is, I can't help but saying this, Robert, but this is about good versus evil. Yes. I mean, you've got a system that you know is, everybody knows it fails. Everybody and their mother knows that it fails because statistically it doesn't prove to be efficacious. We know that uh, of a 311 retrospective analysis, international studies uh, that were done, they did a retrospective analysis and they saw that the reduction of tumor uh, based upon the standard methodology of chemo and radiation, was 2% reduction in tumor size. But mortality was the same. You had the same number of people alive that didn't do anything versus mm-hmm. doing the chemo and the radiation. The, the, the death rate from cancer treatment was exactly the same whether you did chemo and radiation or you didn't do... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, for, for, um, after getting chemo and radiation, the death rate was... There was no improvement in survival is what I'm trying to say, which I'm not saying right. very much because this has also hit me in the gut because I can, yeah. I can tell you if my child was, God forbid, had something like that, I would, 
I would rather take a bullet than give that child chemotherapy. Right. Yeah, no, and here's the case. I mean, it's really brutal to read this story, and we have it linked up, by the way. For those of you getting the natural news uh, updates every day on the Robert Scott Bell Show, one of the stories is linked. Uh, I, I covered it yesterday, and I want to reiterate, reiterate what uh, Dr. Batar just said as well, acknowledging the science that tumor reduction, size reduction of a tumor, does not correlate necessarily with better survival rates. There are so many other factors involved here. And with chemotherapy, you're talking about intoxicating the cells with toxic medicine that is, is the worst of the worst, on top of the fact that we know that when cancer cells die, they also, you know, there are endotoxins, or however you want to describe it, that compound the, the, the initial t- toxicity, if I can call it initial, but the treatment toxicity. And, and so this woman, Christine Labrie, uh, you know, is being charged with attempted murder because she did not want to continue with chemotherapeutic drugs that she saw were, were worsening and killing her child. And this was after, I might add, that she had already, you know, been through treatments initially with this child, and the cancer had come back. She used the traditional oncology. She didn't know any other. She had, well, that's, that was one of the things that the article had pointed out that I found interesting, that when they tried to accuse her that she was withholding the medication because they tried to paint this picture that she was a negligent mother, but they tried to say something about the cancer was making this child sick, and she said the cancer, I never saw the cancer make him sick. I only saw him being sick when he was land-blasted with the chemo. Right. And, and, you know, that was a, it back her retort, if you will, to the prosecuting attorney who was trying to accuse this mother of, of attempting to kill her child, which there anything I'm reading about this, this is it's the opposite is true. The, the, the death induction came by the state sanctioned medicine, kind of like the forcefulness with which they steal children to, to do these treatments on them, which, I, you know, I can't fathom in a so-called civilized. There's nothing civilized about the society that would allow this to happen. Well, you're absolutely correct. They, that's one reason I think we are in the state that we are, Robert. And we say, I say this every week whenever we talk, we t- when we start talking about these type of atrocities. And th- these are atrocities as far as I'm concerned because you would not expect that to be happening in, in the land of the, uh, the, the free and the brave. But yet it is happening. And it's almost to the point that the failure of the system to solve the solution, to come up with the solution or solve the problem of cancer – they're now trying to literally uh, penalize by accusing a mother of murder or anything like this. And this isn't the first or second or fifth time we've heard this. This has happened numerous times. The parents have been uh, prosecuted and persecuted for trying to stand up for the children's rights. But where they're, they're orchestrating almost like a um, – how do you put it? Well, a it's campaign. Like, I mean, it's definitely. I'm sorry? It's like it's a campaign, a witch hunt, in a sense, to root out the people that are waking up to see how toxic and dangerous and, in fact, deadly. And you said the word evil. I agree. At this point, I don't know how else to describe it. The system has become, and it is so not rooted in freedom. I mean, here we would argue, as we do passionately and with science as our alibi, much less the experience clinically that you have and I have uh, uh, for these natural methods. Uh, but, you know, even beyond that, we we don't stand to call for the ban of modern medicine. I mean, the thing is, I think it should exist and we should have these options. But the way they're going about it, here's this woman. She doesn't even know better. Why would they attack this woman? What do they gain out of this? It's, I think what they're gaining is that they're sending a message that's loud and clear to everybody that if you try to do the right thing for your child, and if, we, and if it's going to interfere with our money-making machine – this is the punishment that you will receive. And they're trying to send this message out, at least from what I, there's only one motivation I can see, to keep others in line. Hmm. Because if you're not going to be in line, we're going to 
yeah. hit you just like a bully. I'm going to hit you if you don't do what I tell you to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And the thing is, these are the showcase, if you will. We'll point this out so that no one else has a thought to do what this woman did. And, you know, the, the, even weirder about this is like, as I said, here's a woman that's not like uh, – I, I covered the story of Abraham Cherix many years ago up in Virginia. Uh, he had a, a form of lymphoma, and he had initially gone through the traditional oncology, and it made him so sick he felt that he would die from the treatment. So he was still – I think he was about 15, 14, 15, 16, that age. He still wasn't uh, an adult uh, under the care of his parents, and he decided with his mom and dad, he conferred. I mean, he was intelligent, and he said, listen, I want to go a different route. i got to find a natural method because this is not right. Then, of course, the courts went after him, Child Protective Services went after him to try and take him from his family and force him to accept this chemotherapy. It became a very big case in Virginia Beach area. And, uh, you know, it, it really raised, uh, I guess, a lot of awareness because, uh, you know, here was an intelligent child. Now we're talking about someone, that, this little child ended up dying at nine, I think a year or so later under the care of her, uh, of his father, uh, because the mother, they, they took the kid from the mother at this point. Uh, but, you know, you look at these stories. Now, Abraham, by the way, is alive and well and thriving, uh, considering his natural focal point and, and eschewing modern co- uh, chemotherapy as such, although he's worked with doctors. In fact, he's even lectured at medical school about medical ethics on this subject, uh, the thought of stealing children and forcing them to accept this kind of therapy. How old was this child that made this uh, decision, this young, intelligent boy you talked about, the Virginia Beach case? Uh, yeah, Abraham was, uh, I think it was about 14, 15, and 16. It was in those age groups where all the controversy occurred uh, that the, the, you know, they basically tried to take him away from his family to force the chemo. You see, it's 12 years of age is supposed to be the cutoff, from what I understand, in most states to where a child can be left alone at home or the child has input during a divorce case, which parent he wants to right, live with or right. she wants to live with. So I don't understand why at the age of 14 or 15, a child, if they have enough common sense that the, that the land, the, the law of the land believes that they have enough sense to make a determination which parent they should stay with or which parents they can't stay with, yes. why can't they make a decision as to what type of treatment they, they're going to get? Yeah, and it wasn't like he was going out on its own where someone would say, he's just a kid, he doesn't know. I mean, this is an intelligent kid, much less his parents were supportive of his direction and his movement, uh, yet it became a, you know almost a landmark case. Now, ultimately, they won, but there was some some level of court supervision. He was consulting with a doctor that was more holistic. Anyway, but again, it's the idea that uh, Doctor Batar, you're a parent, I'm a parent. Who owns our kids when they're when they're b- b- below the age of majority? I mean, basically, the government claims ownership and possession at will if they if we do something outside of the state sanctioned religion of modern medicine. I don't know what else to say except that this is to any person with any common sense, anybody who has more than one synapse working and two neurons firing, <laughs> this has got to be disturbing at the very least. Yeah. Well, and, and it, that it didn't end with that case. I mean, we've seen cases like this in the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about this. It's kind of they're ramping up. I think the desperation is such. I mean, just look at what happened in, in Congress this, this last week. And they, they salvaged, they claiming they're kumbaya, shaking hands and going, we came through the crisis. Obama's happy. Reid's happy. Boehner's happy. And what did they do? They cut, like, what, $38 billion? in In one week's time, you get $50 billion added to the national debt. They didn't even cut less than a week of that debt in this new budget. And you see, so these are the people that supposedly have, have invested in what is right and true and factual. I mean, we got to stop looking to government to solve the problems that they create. Well, this also comes down to the media and the lack of the media's ability or desire or whatever the, other, the motivation is for them to not tell the public the truth. Because there are so many things that are going on 
Um, just the statistics. I mean, we talk about the person that got shot, um, you know, over the weekend, or we talk about the bus that killed five, ten people, or you know, even the natural disasters, or some of these things that obviously are very concerning. But when you start looking at the true statistics, um, the statistics such as every twenty minutes, um, somebody is well, actually, it's not twenty twenty minutes. Excuse me. I think it's every twenty three seconds somebody's dying of cancer. One out of every two men in the United States and one out of every three women in the United States will hear sometime during their life, you have cancer. And this is looking at the National Cancer Institute and the uh, American Cancer Centers, um, the, the statistics that are put out regarding the incidence of cancer. Hmm. And yet, how many times do we hear, and, and you know, we know the leading cause of death right now in the, in the industrialized world is heart disease and then you look at cancer being the second cause of death, and you start looking at the t- statistics. Now, from every cause of death on the planet, eight out of ten people that are dying are dying of heart disease and cancer. So you talk about all these deaths that are happening from trauma or this or that, people obviously wanting to know what's going on. But how much time do you hear covered in the media where they say, well, the number of people dying from cancer and heart disease is 27-fold this hmm. every day, and we don't talk about that. We, give, we sensationalize these causes of death uh, from the aspect of news being newsworthy. But it, don't you think it's newsworthy that they are you know, 10, 20, 50 times the number of people dying every single day? Not just in an isolated circumstance this sure. weekend when the bus went off the cliff or whatever the case is, but every single day it's happening and nobody seems to talk about the importance of it. No, it's, Nobody it's, brings it up. You're it's right. almost like we're, we're it's blunted from us. Mm-hmm. Well, fear-based marketing inducing us to let's say fall in line like this story that is is frightening parents to say, "Wow, if 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 my child has cancer, I better not, you know, buck the system and I better go along with it or else they'll take my child." Uh, but the fear-based marketing directing people toward a, you know, a particular, uh, you know, let's say in cancer oncological treatment, the monopoly that it has over cancer treatment. But again, another reason why I want all Robert Scott Bell Show listeners to pick up nine steps to keep the doctor away. <laughs> Shameless plug time because I really believe this, Doctor Batar. You know the seriousness with which we want to keep the doctors away from the people in this case that are not trained to really teach people how to heal and help them to heal genuinely. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk more with Dr. Batar on Advanced Medicine Monday here, not only about this story, about, but about a lot of other ailments that are uh, affecting all of us and that we can go a different pathway and never have to resort to the licensed profession that, of course, we have found can be contributing to more problems than it's helping to undo. Dr. Batar, stay with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Those of you who haven't picked up Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, best-selling book uh, on, you know, on USA Today and uh, one of the others that listed it. I mean, it's amazing this thing had, had uh, gotten out with this message that you wrote about in that book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wall Street Journal, Amazon.com, bestseller. And by the way, I have it linked up at uh, the blog as well as uh, in the daily update here for Advanced Medicine Monday. If you haven't picked it up yet, it is life-changing in a positive, positive way. And Dr. Pitar, we were talking about all these statistics of uh, people you know, uh, diagnosed with cancer, much less dying it, and heart disease. And I'm also thinking, and you may have some more numbers uh, that, that are better or more up to date here, but that, that it doesn't account for the fact that modern medicine and, and, and the drug-based medicine is actually creating these diseases too. The imbalance that is created in our physiological systems from many of these uh, drugs and and many of the preservatives and many of the food colorings and all the some of these things have now been identified as being detrimental to our health. Many more are still being used. In 2007, the the latest statistics I have, and they, they are more recent statistics. But the, when I had done the research on this 
uh, in 2007, the American Cancer Society, these are using their numbers, uh, 1,444,920 newly diagnosed cases of cancer in the United States. Uh, in Canada, 1,248,899 people newly diagnosed with cancer. And this is just newly diagnosed. Now, when you take into consideration uh, how many people survived the first year and how many more people are um, in addition to the people that are getting the cancer or that had cancer the previous year, then the number of people that this is also affecting, because remember, the number one cause of any type of disease, any type, based upon the seven toxicities that we go into detail, then the reason that people get any type of chronic disease is oxidative stress. So those, right. that oxidative stress can be caused by, uh, which we identify as seven toxicities, but the fifth one is emotional psychological toxicity, which I believe is the greatest one in cancer. Now just think about the emotional psychological trauma that's been created to the loved ones of those people that are getting cancer when they hear that they've they've got uh, they've been their mother, their father, their brother, their sister, their wife, husband, their child has just been diagnosed with cancer. What is it doing to their systems? What is it doing to their emotional, psychological well-being? What is it doing from a fifth toxicity standpoint to allow them now to become susceptible to cancer? I just dealt with this this particular last week. You remember that golfing pro young man that I told you about that had cancer melanoma that um, I had treated? Right, yes. Chris is – okay, so we talked yeah. about him a couple of weeks ago. Well, I got a call. I actually got an email from him uh, and then a text message. His dad was just diagnosed with cancer, and, and mm-hmm. he was – besides himself and they wanted to get his dad in to talk with me and there were some other people that were that they had consulted with a conventional side that were saying that this is very rapidly growing very aggressive form of cancer it needs to be addressed this week blah 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 and um i was i'm booked out till middle of may right now so i got the the day that i found out i think it was the next day i wasn't supposed to be in the clinic but we had a couple other patients that needed some stuff so i went ahead and told my staff to get him in on that day but the primary reason that i did that because I, I don't know his father. I've only met his father one time. And, of course, his father needs that information, the help, whatever. I was willing to do that. But the other sure. concern, bigger concern that I had was my patient who's now yes. on treatment. He's doing well. And I, I didn't want him to be under stress. In fact, I right. wrote him a really long email trying to tell him that, look, you, you have to at some point, if you, tr- you have to be unconditional. You have to be supportive. You love your father. Don't let it internalize in you. Right, right. Let it go. It will be all as it will be. There's nothing that we can do to change things. We can give information. We can give uh, uh, references. But really the most important thing a person needs when they've heard something like this is unconditional support. Yes. It's their decision. And I told the father when I was talking to him, I said, look, uh, he, he thanked me for you know squeezing him in so quickly in such short notice. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm happy to do that, but I'll tell you to be – to be you know, fully honest with you, my concern is also your son because you know he's been my patient. He's gone through a very uh, tough road, and he's you know with the grace of God not doing fantastic. But my concern is also him, so that he's not stressed out. And he, the father, said to me, he said, you know, my concern is my son. Keep taking care of my son. Right. I mean, right. even he himself, you know, he doesn't want to create stress for his family because of his uh, disorder and, and his uh, his, his challenge right now. But yeah. it shows that this cancer thing isn't just affecting the individual. It's affecting everybody. Mm. And let me ask you this, Dr. Batar. I mean, as far as what, what you know within the medical profession, obviously you've long so left it behind to do what you do, even though you're a part of it. 
how many oncologists are actually counseling on these, uh, you know, the mental, emotional, and psychological impact uh, of, of a, as a causation factor of cancer? Or do they still claim, well, we don't, really don't know what it is because they're, they're certainly not looking at detoxification on any of the levels when they, when, they, when they first are, you know, seeing these patients. It's all about, okay, how fast can we get you in to get you on any of the big three, chemo, radiation, or surgery, which, of course, adds to the toxic burden, even emotional burden. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I've heard so many oncologists they make the anything that's to do with toxicity or the emotional, psychological, the spiritual aspect, you know, the energetic aspect, you know, the electromagnetic radiation, the ambient cell phone radiation, whatever, yes. nutrition, whatever, whatever you talk about, the subject of the seven toxicities essentially, they characterize it as if it's fluff, as if it's um, something that is juvenile and prepubescent and really hasn't graduated up into their threshold of looking at the chemo radiation and surgery and how it will affect it, that that's all fluff stuff and that's really not going to have any impact. Whereas, in fact, we already know that the presidential um, commission that was appointed to find the etiology oh, of cancer. that's right. I I've got on my website. Okay. They talked about that the environmental cause is the paramount issue with cancer, that it is it must be addressed. And when you're talking about environment, you're not only just talking about the environment like outside your house and where you live, but you're also talking about the internal environment of your body, and you're also talking about the environment within your head and, and within your heart. So we're talking about all these aspects. You ask the question, how many oncologists are addressing this? I can't answer that question. I would probably venture to say none, if any. But then you look at Patrick Quillen, uh, his, his data. Uh, Dr. Quillen wrote the book, Beating Cancer with Nutrition, which is a fantastic book. And Dr. Quillen talks about in his book that 42 to 46 percent of cancer, actually, pay, when pay, people die of cancer, are they actually dying off cachexia, off a nutritional deficit? 42 to 46 percent are dying from cachexia. Yes, now, that is another thing that it has to be addressed here, and I'll just add in that, that there's like a nutritional wasting aspect. It's bad enough when people come in with cancer and don't know this, but when they add on to the traditional oncological treatment, it absolutely disastrously depletes whatever is left in their bodies. And what are these people being given as a dietary guideline, or what are they being given as far as a nutritional counseling so that they understand what they're supposed to be doing? They're not given any information on nutrition, and if anything, they're told that, here, drink more Ensure. Yeah, Ensure, Pediasure, and here's some Jello. Yeah, exactly. And Ensure we know is sugar, just laden with sugar. And, and yeah. I mean, there's no nutrient value to any of these things that they're being told. And, of course, you and I both know that cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer, so it survives on sugar. Yep. It actually thrives on sugar. It's like her. pouring gasoline on a fire. It's just going to make it blaze that much hotter and that much faster. But... You know, if you start looking at these type of some of fundamental components, um, if 42 to 46, I mean, that's almost a half of the people that get cancer are dying off the nutritional deficit. Right. It's not even the cancer that gets them. It's the lack of nutrients that if you could just give them the nutrients. And then, you know, you ask the question, well, then what are the rest of the people dying from? Well, they're dying from a common cold. The immune system is shot. You know, they kind of, <laughs> some people say they die. It's the chemo and the radiation and the and the um, the chemo and the radiation, and then depending on what type of surgery they had, yeah, that's what's killing the rest of the people. And you know, surgery, believe it or not, Robert, I think you and I have talked about this before. Surgery yep. of the three that we just did, that we talked about, the big three, the yes. chemo, radiation, surgery. Surgery is actually the least detrimental. 
it's the least invasive, although that sounds... Um, I know, it's kind of weird to say that. You're cutting them open. And, and of course, we, we're not minimizing the, the, let's say, the damage and the trauma to the tissue. That's very real. But, you know, it's, a, it's an event, and you can recover from the event. When we talk about ongoing chemotherapy and radiation, it's an ongoing event of, of detriment, and I think that's a big difference. Absolutely, and it's, it's affecting the surrounding tissue uh, almost to the same degree that it's affecting the actual target of the of the drugs, whereas the can the surgery is as you said it's localized to that area. It is tissue damaging, but you're not causing such severe collateral damage as a chemo and the radiation. Yeah, again, there's perspective here that needs to be uh, you know put on there. That's why again I I don't argue to throw out the so-called medical baby with the bathwater. There's a place for all of these things, but right now as it has that monopoly status, religious like religion like status. Uh, it is so far out of balance as to be causing you know evil to to occur, like on the mom we referenced earlier today, you know that is being accused of attempted murder for what for trying to protect her 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 child. I mean, any mom would want if you see this, who wouldn't have done what she did? Well, absolutely. I, I know I would have, and I know you would have. Yeah, exactly. One thing that's important to remember too is that some of these things can be utilized. Uh, I'll give you an example. In Chris again, since we were talking about Chris. One of the things that we did was once he went through the first round of treatment with us a couple of weeks off and went to the second round, I had the, the, the lesion on his leg. He had a melanoma, and the lesion on his leg was actually starting to get bigger, um, but it was growing outward, which is what I wanted. I don't want it growing in. I want it growing outward. Sure, it opened it up. Exactly, and it was you know, festering and bleeding, and, and there were many components to it, but it was increasing in size. And um, I, I was trying to find a doctor that would be able to surgically – uh, intervene. And that's one of the biggest challenges I've got. I don't know how many times I've had this challenge where I've had to find a surgeon that understood what I needed them to understand and was willing to go in. Many times surgeons, unless it's the person has followed the traditional model, they don't want to do the operation because they don't want to be a part and party to, you know, something if God forbid something went wrong. Um, Chris was fortunate enough to have a friend that was friends with a, a plastic surgeon who is one of the foremost authorities in melanoma surgeries in the United States. And um, I had a brief conversation with him, and he asked me, he said, well, this is in a very difficult place. Where do you, what do you think I'm going to find when I open it up? And I said, well, if I, my treatment has worked, this should be well encapsulated at its base. There should be nothing that's wrapped around any tendons or nerves that he was concerned about because it was in the ankle. And I said, it should be, it should be very simple, uh, although it is a very difficult area to, to operate on. And long and the short is that the surgeon did go in. And found it to be exactly as I described it. It was very well encapsulated. There was nothing that was wrapping around anything. And it was almost like popping out a pimple. Wow. And it just came right out, which is what I would have expected if his immune system was responding and doing everything. And, and based upon all the stuff that we'd seen and observed in the test, yes. that's exactly how it should have been. And that's what happened. So you do need to have the conventional model, as you just said, not throwing the bathwater out with the baby uh, or not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Excuse me. I said that backwards. But <laughs> It's important that we understand that concept, that they are – these are tools, and yes. these tools have a right place to be used. Now, I personally don't see any place to use chemo and radiation, but that's just me. Maybe I'm just an eccentric, but certainly – I'm with you on that too, but is it, we would grant, like I said, the ability of a patient with full, full information, right, fully informed consent to make a decision that that's the way they wanted to go. But right now, we've got a gag order on the First Amendment. The free speech doesn't exist for doctors and non-doctors alike to speak of some of the things we talk about very openly and directly. Listen, we got to take a break. When we come back, I also want to talk about the reason why 
that cancer was encapsulated as you expected, Dr. Batar. This is always a fascinating part of the week here on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Batar. We've got lots more healing to do, talking cancer and other stories in the news uh, related to vaccination as well. Stay with us. Rocking the health world right here on the Natural News Radio Network. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Coming right back. Rocking and rolling, it's Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Monday, rewinding it good with, with this concept of the medical rewind too with Dr. Rashid Batar. Thank you for being here, Dr. Batar. And you had uh, mentioned, uh, or just the last segment, in fact, uh, about this um, uh, patient that we're, Chris we were talking about on the, on the ankle that something had encapsulated. And, and I always said this, if the immune system is strong enough that the cells can defend themselves, the body will tend to try and wall off a cancer. That's kind of like what we see with the tumors, whereas metastasis means it, it's got no, uh, let's say, a, uh, there's no stopping it. It's just got to moves around throughout the body, can cling and start doing its thing elsewhere. So it's a good thing when it's isolated in this way. And as you strengthen the body, I've seen this as well. And in, in fact, a, a classic case, you know, and this comes to toxins and pesticides. There's more information on, on uh, well, actually, news. I want to g- cover a story with you on that momentarily. But my own mother, years ago, she had this growth on her back. It was like this large you know, lump area that was literally protruding, but it was still under the skin. And as she was undergoing detoxification therapy, homeopathics, good, clean, organic food going in her body, it became more angry and redder and more intense. And it was like, it was a scary looking thing. At a certain point, it opened up and tissue started coming out. And I, I joked with her, I said, mom, it looks like a Buick's going to come out of that thing. It was so big. And the fact of the matter is all that junk came out naturally, even without surgical intervention with her efforts of detox and, and focal point healing. And, it, and then the body, it healed up. And I can see, you know, a little area that happened many years ago. She's 76 on no drugs. Now the body knows what to do if you give it all that it needs, if you remove the garbage out. And this happened, it sounded like almost in an internal way in the ankle of your patient by doing some of these similar methods. Well, that's actually what happened. Um, one thing is it's not the body necessarily walling it out. It could be the cancer itself trying to protect itself will form that capsule uh, to prevent the treatment from affecting it. Now, this, this sure, is that's a, another perspective too. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost like it's, it's in defense mode because you know one of the favorite things that I've heard many times of my dad was the first one that I heard it from when I was growing up, and that's where growth stops, decay sets in, and it's one of those types of things I think that's happening here too, where when the cancer can't grow. It's the only reason it's not going to grow is if it's in defensive mode. If it's defensive mode, then it can't. It's trying to preserve itself. It's trying to survive, and so at that point, it may create that capsule. But that's not to say the body is also not trying to wall it off. Although I think that the body's trying to go in and trying to get to the source of the problem because sure. you know the enzymatic therapies that we use, and I know this is very big with certain doctors like Gonzalez, for instance. He's very big in enzyme therapy. Yes. My whole reason for using enzyme therapy is actually to dissolve that proteolytic cap that the cancer forms around itself to protect itself so that the therapies that we are utilizing can actually access nice. that area that we're trying to get to, which is that oncogenic uh, etiological process, that the process that actually starts that causes the cancer. That's what I'm trying to get to. And I can't get to it if there's a capsule that the cancer or the body has created around it to protect itself or to, you know, in the case of the body, it may be keeping it from expanding into the body. If it's a cancer, it's trying to protect itself so that the treatment that's coming in doesn't uh, cause a detriment. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I have to dissolve that capsule so I can get to the cause. Well, yeah, in this way, utilize the enzymes to break that defense mechanism down and, of course, to allow the treatment to occur. And, and in many cases, the surgery is not even needed like we talked about in that one patient. Yeah, and, and sometimes the surgery may be necessary just from a mass effect uh, or you know, to prevent that bleeding and the, and the tissue from breaking down. In certain patients I've had, I've got patients that are now eight, nine years out 
that have a lesion that they can't find a doctor to take out. And it's causing uh, some cosmetic deficits like on the breast. But the, the surgeon said, well, because you haven't ever had chemo, um, you know, you've got three months left to live. And unless you do that, we're not going to do, do a lumpectomy. It has to be a radical mastectomy. Now, they forget oh the gosh. fact and it's pointed out to them, well, that was eight years ago and the person's still alive despite your right. diagnosis. They're going to die in three months or six months or whatever it was. And, but they will refuse to do the lumpectomy to take out that well-encapsulated mass that's, that's pretty much nothing but scar tissue now. Right. They won't take that out because it doesn't follow the traditional model. And so the person has this retracted breast that's been going on for uh, for in fact I think this particular patient I'm thinking of I think Robert you know you, you know her uh, uh, Rosie okay uh, I don't know her last name but anyway I think I think you um, she's on the cancer DVD but this is yes. a person that had gotten registered letters from her doctor saying that she had you know so many months to live and if she didn't do something radically she was going to die and she's I think she's either nine eight or nine years out now wow um, but the point is that nobody will do this surgery to take out this scar tissue just so that her breast can naturally hang like it used to before the scar tissue started retracting and even to the point that she's uh, now looking at options outside of the United States you know people used to come into the United States to get the most yeah and now stuff. we have, now we have to find a way to get out <laughs> to yeah, be able to get that, the kind of treatment we need there's over a million people that leave the United States every single year and this is what we know of we don't know how many are going out there to seek medical care that we don't even know about. But there's over a million. In 2009, that was a number that was released. Over a million people leaving the United States every year to seek out other health options, medical options. Yeah, and that's why I've said, Mike Adams has said, if there were one state in the union that would declare itself a health freedom state, that would stop the medical board insanity and attacking uh, good docs out there, and all, as well as preventing uh, holistic providers from all backgrounds and, and schoolings, to be able to hang their shingle and compete in a free market and say, this is what I do. As I said, I never encourage fraud. That's not what it's about. You can't pretend to be what you're not. You just be who you are and say, this is what I do. Let the people decide and watch what these therapies do and then watch the good stuff rise to the top. Right now, what's rising to the top is the dangerous stuff because they're snuffing out or, or attempting to at least that which is holistic, natural, integrative, and that can really rebuild the system and the body. I would think that even... Even if it wasn't a state, even if it was a sovereign nation like the American Indians or somebody, you know, that sure, yeah, that's a great idea. Gambling or something, but why not set up a a hospital or a, a, a some type of a free state so people can come and get the type of options that they require and certainly would be more profitable than casinos and gambling, I would think. Well, with all the people that need it, and they'd be, it'd be flocking into the United States, medical tourism into here like it used to be, and again, we'd have you know places where we'd all interact together. There wouldn't be, right now, as we said, the monopoly, which has never, never resulted in more efficient care, more cost-effective care, anything that we want to see. That's what this advanced medicine concept is that you have and that we do every week here in bringing that out, giving the insights that you'll never get because nobody gets to peer behind the curtain to see this stuff going on. And the most intriguing thing for me is that I believe the people that want to peek behind that curtain is exponentially increasing. I think the, the, more, the more time moves forward, the collective consciousness is becoming more aware of what you and I are talking about and are hungry for that information, almost starving for it. Yeah, well, they're certainly starving because they're not getting the nutrients uh, from the old media or old medicine, so to speak, in, in modern uh, uh, pharmacological medicine. Now, there, there's a big thing coming back to nine steps to keep the doctor away. We talk about the toxicological causes of all disease. Big news, uh, this is uh, just came out of Reuters uh, last Friday. Cancer cause or crop aid? 
herbicide faces big tests. Here we are spending billions, and I think five billion, two to five billion a year uh, in in the United States just to attack weeds. And you and I know weeds may be the answer to solve our our problems with cancer. Like everybody sprays Roundup on dandelion. Yeah, dandelion as an herb is a phenomenal liver, kidney, tonic detoxifier. And not only do we kill that, we add to the toxic burden of our bodies and create more cancers. And now now they're just like the Presidential Commission acknowledging the environmental causes of cancer. They're actually saying, well, we better look at this herbicide thing. Maybe it's not as good as we thought. Well, it's interesting. I'm sitting here thinking about this. This came up yesterday for me looking out in my fields because I have a ranch that I live on. And I don't know how many times... I've been told that we need to uh, get rid of uh, some of the weeds. And to me, dandelions, first of all, are very pretty little flowers. All my animals seem to love eating the dandelions. Mm-hmm. Um, so why are we even trying to get rid of the dandelions? And why are we even considered a weed in the first place? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, you talk about thistle. We can talk about nettle. Uh, I mean, all of these things that are bothersome, we want to get rid of them. We will intoxicate the land to destroy them. All of these things are actually the medicine that you watch nature. They know it. Well, they have these these uh, fertilizers that are called organic fertilizers, and that's always amused me. One of the guys that does some work for me uh, for the last four, maybe five years, has been trying to encourage me to even use the organic products that are out there to kill some of the weeds, and and they also tend to fertilize the the ground. And I tell him, well, why don't we just use the horse manure? And he said, no, no, that's going to promote more weeds growing. Hmm. Uh, but use this organic stuff. Yeah, it is expensive, but you know, it's organic. And I looked at some of the stuff that he was telling me. He bought me a sample of it so I could look at it. And I read the ingredients on there. And there was nothing organic about some of the components in this. I mean, there were chemicals in that I didn't even understand what they were. But right. if I don't understand what the chemicals are, and my, goal, my advice to all my patients is that when you read ingredients, if anything you're going to eat, if there's more than two ingredients in there, and I'm, I'm kind of leaning with them. I mean, the, the goal is really if there's any ingredients in there that you don't understand what they are, don't yeah. eat it. But I now it's so difficult to find anything like that. I tell people if there's more than two ingredients that you don't understand what they are and they sound like the chemicals, don't consume that. Well, here's a fertilizer that's supposedly organic, has like 12 different chemicals in it that I have no idea what they are, but how can you call that organic? Well, again, it's organic chemistry. Maybe that's what he meant to say. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot more to do, and we don't have a lot more time to do it. We've got another segment here on Advanced Medicine Monday. Dr. Rashid Bittar, my guest every week, always a fascinating journey that we take together and with all of you, and we're all grateful. Uh, for your support and your continued listenership. Please uh, spread the word out there. Uh, click the link at the blog and the updates there at Natural News if you want to learn more about Dr. Batar and get nine steps to, to keep the doctor away or anything else that there is to learn. And there's plenty. We never run out of stuff. So when we come back, Dr. Batar, we're going to wrap it up on uh, some other things that will uh, bring about healing like nowhere else in media. We'll be right back. All right, wrapping it up here on the Advanced Medicine Monday, rewinding uh, medical, as they say, medical rewinding. And uh, Dr. Batar is with me and having a great time here healing in ways uh, nowhere else in media that it occurs. And Dr. Batar, you mentioned to me on the break that uh, we had mentioned the Planet CPR. There was a book and and there was a link that may have been missing. Someone had contacted us. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the listeners from the uh, radio show had sent an email. and Then we got a couple more saying that uh, we had mentioned the book on sustainability that we would provide a free PDF copy of that book to our listenership. And so apparently that hadn't been put up there. Uh, if people go to the following link, it is not set up for free. It's planetcpr.org forward slash free book for medical rewind listeners. 
And, <laughs> that's, uh, that's long, but you know, I'll let everybody know to make it easy on you. Uh, we have it embedded now in Natural News uh, Update that's sent out in the, before the show today. You'll have that link right there also. If you haven't gone to my blog, uh, it'll be there as well, and you'll see it. Click on the link, and again, you're going to get this beautiful book. Absolutely. Is, that, is it really all free? It's totally free. They don't have to do anything. In fact, if you, if you go to the website, you will find – in fact, even if you go to that link, you'll find the book on the left-hand side. It says, Buy Book, The Secret of Sustainability. But if you click on that download, you get it absolutely free. It's only for the listeners for the radio show. But it's a picture book. It's probably got 280 uh, – I think almost 300 pages. Uh, and the book is called The Secret of Sustainability. It's a phenomenal book, and you will see some of the innovations that are out there that some people may not even be aware of. Now, this is, this is an older book. It's probably five years old. We've got a new version coming out, but uh, that won't be out for maybe another year or so. But this one has tremendous amount of information, and it's only available online at planetcpr.org. But for our listeners, totally free. They don't have to do anything. I think they may have to register to have their name and email address, possibly, but there's no payment nice, or no money nice. or anything. Well, anytime we can get you something for free or deeply discounted, I want to do that. And Dr. Batar, I'm glad you're, you're making that available to our listeners here. Well, it's all about getting good quality information out to people and making a difference. Our motto in our clinic is making the change the world's waiting for. And if we can facilitate that in any way we can, uh, we're happy to do so. All right. Well, in, in wrapping up, we have a few minutes left, but uh, you know, this is a bigger topic than we can contain in this segment. But at least I want to get your your t- touch base on this and your thoughts. There was a, this is out of New Zealand. We talk about vaccines and the horrific aspect of injecting these things into innocent children. There was a toddler uh, that was inject. Actually, it wasn't a toddler at the time, but uh, a young baby that they injected with guess what the the HPV shot. They call that Gardasil. Wrongly, it was a little boy basically, and now it's got developed this rare form of leukemia. And, and I, you know, I've said this. We've talked about this. You know, maybe reiterate the understanding that needs to be out there about the danger of the unknown with the, the, these vaccines that they are one day they're going to be finding out what we know that they're a big cause of a lot of cancers. Well, Dr. Tempany, I think, has already done a fantastic job in elucidating that in some of her research that she's done that's contained in some of the books that she's written already. And this is all information that was gathered from the Centers for Disease Control itself and the types of DNA addicts and the type of a foreign genetic material that's incorporated into many of these vaccines that we're injecting into our children, uh, it's no wonder. I mean, remember, the, the body's immune system, uh, and when the person gets cancer, it's all based upon the DNA. The DNA that mutates is what uh, causes that spark initially, the oxidization, the oxidative stress that's caused to the DNA that causes the DNA addicts that eventually transforms and causes a mutation that leads to cancer. Right. And it's this, this DNA material, this genetic foreign DNA material that's within the vaccines, it's being incorporated into our DNA, then of course it's going to cause mutations and changes. And so it, it should be no surprise to anybody of any common sense that when you introduce foreign DNA material into the body, the body's going to respond in some way, fashion, or form. And some of that may be protection, some of it may be a mutation trying to adapt, and that process is going to cause abnormalities to occur. And that's what cancer is. It's an abnormality to the, to the DNA structure. So there are many things that are being introduced into our systems. And this thing that you're talking about in the vaccines and what you're talking about is just one in probably hundreds of millions of cases worldwide that's causing this type of problem to occur. Yeah. And this happened. I mean, the, the, the couple were in their late 20s and, and this child was six weeks old when their son was given this vaccine, as they say, meant for teenage girls. Uh, instead of one to prevent meningitis, which, you know, now I'm seeing a lot of these, uh, even the meningitis vaccines, the Hib vaccines, related now to uh, uh, induction of type 1 diabetes. We talk about vaccine-induced diseases. I'm not kidding. This is, this is really rough. 
But, you know, Robert, a point that even goes beyond this is something that Dr. Tempany had on her blog that I saw recently. It was actually a case here in North Carolina where the mother was very pro-decision, anti-vaccine, had told the hospital where she took her child that she did not want any vaccines, had signed the medical releases, everything was approved, yet they went and they actually gave the child the vaccine, not just one, but four vaccines. Oh. The mother was appalled, filed a complaint against the, it was Carolina's Medical Center, the major hospital here and the largest hospital system in North Carolina, against Carolina's Medical System and the doctor. It went to the medical board, the same medical board that came after me, and their response was, well, it was a mistake and there was no action that was necessary by the medical board for discipline or anything. Although a consent was signed. Hmm. The the releases, all the stuff that the hospital needed in order to have a parent, you know, that the parent wanted to abstain from the vaccines for the child. They went through the proper protocol. They notified, et cetera, et cetera. But the mistake was made. They didn't follow the parent's instruction, the the instructions of the guardian. And the medical board then determined that there was no, nothing that was wrong. Although the child started getting symptoms of uh, developmental delay within a few weeks after the injections. Yeah. You know, I, I tell you this, if, if parents, any parents or parents-to-be that are listening, if you're planning a hospital birth, do not let your baby out of your physical sight the entire time you're in that hospital because this is the thing that can happen. This is not an isolated incident. I've heard of the, these things occurring, but they never make the news unless somebody's going to raise a big stink out of it. So if you do want to go into the hospital for whatever reason, do not let your baby out of your sight for a second. And I'll just uh, further reiterate that when my youngest was born, Rahan, who's now six and a half, I went to the hospital uh, where the same hospital where Abi was born. I met with the hospital administrator uh, and I told the hospital administrator that my son, Abi, was already injured. With the grace of God, he's now recovered fully. However, my new child is going to be born in this hospital. If this child is given any kind of vaccine, I will personally sue you and the hospital and I will find you, and I will break both your legs. And if you think that I'm joking, you just try me. I went to the OBGYN. I went to the neonatologist. Every one of them, I gave them the same spiel. I said, this child is not going to get any yeah. vaccines. And you know, when my wife went into labor and we got to the hospital in the emergency room, we saw a board because they admit at nighttime they admit you through the emergency room and then take right. you up to – on the emergency board, it had big letters, Butar baby, no vaccine, star, 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 and before and after. We got up to the <laughs> delivery ward, same thing, Butar baby, no injections. Everywhere it said Butar baby, no – and I just made a real stink about it beforehand. Yeah. And they know my history. They know who I am. Right. You know, well, you know, so Dr. Batar, everybody should take it this seriously because when it happens to your child, death could be the, the thing that ensues from the vaccine, and you've got to take it that seriously. Breaking legs would be minimal compared to the loss of a child, and that's why I say what you're reacting, your statement is not violent unnecessarily. We're talking about saying, listen, I am willing to protect my child, and this is how serious it is, and we should all as parents take it this seriously. And the point is that, the biggest point is that they know who I am being a physician and I was you know, overly proactive. If it's a person that's not a doctor and may not be as proactive, mistakes will happen and more than likely, as the example that I just gave you with the Carolina's Medical Center, given the injections to the child, even after the parent just, you know, specifically said no vaccines and not only given one vaccine but four different vaccines, you have to be overly proactive as you're stating and you have yeah. to be yeah. so definitive and, and almost create a stink 
to yes. ensure that your child is listen don't don't be milk don't be milk toast about protecting your children we are not here on the robert scott bell show certainly never and not even and especially on advanced medicine monday the medical rewind with dr batar dr batar you're only here with me once a week it's not enough but we do whatever we can and you have ways that people can learn more about you i always encourage people to get your books and there's lots of videos and things but let everybody know where they can learn more well there there are a number of different sites that are uh, available to people for resources, but we've got them all uh, in one location so people can pick and choose whatever information they need, and that would be at medicalrewind.com. we got to do a lot more healing every day. There's not enough time, even though we're doing it every day. And Dr. Batar, I'm grateful that you're with me every week. Robert, I'm grateful to be on the radio with you every week. Just here to remind you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.